This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we'll talk to the man of style, Kyle Jackson of the Halifax Thunderbirds right here in the next edition of 2020. We'll ask him what it's going to be like to be a proud father in 2021 and how social media brought him and his wife together. All that more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, Spotify, the Lacrosse Flash, and NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. Thank you for joining us. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. It's really the only way we're able to connect during these wild and crazy times, although they are starting to relax some of the rules a bit. And as we spoke last week, let's not get too crazy. I'm already seeing far too many groups of people close together. Let's not jump the shark here. Let's not ruin things for everybody. We got to step by step, little by little, we'll get back to normalcy. But if you eat too many candies all at once, you get that bloated stomach and you got to go back to bed. It's not a good feeling. So let's just be safe, be smart, and keep the gatherings to four, five, or six so we can move on from all of this staying inside stuff. Another quiet week in the world of professional lacrosse, professional indoor lacrosse especially. The PLL had their college draft on Wednesday night. And there were a lot of speculations in that draft of what seniors would be drafted, if guys who possibly could go back for a fifth year were going to get drafted, and what happens if they do get drafted. So for a player like Jeff Teat, who goes number 12 overall to the chaos, there's still a lot of speculation of what he's going to do. Will he go back for a fifth year at somewhere other than Cornell? Or does he say, you know what? I think I'm done playing college lacrosse. I want to take the next step. I'm going to play PLL. I'm going to throw my name in the NLL draft. We don't know. And until we get to September and we see some of those renunciation lists from the NLL, we don't really know if Jeff Teat is going to enter the NLL draft. He was drafted by the PLOKS, as I mentioned, but he doesn't necessarily have to play for them. If he wanted, he could go back to school and his name would go back in the draft pool for next year's PLL draft. But there is some talk that he is done with school. And if so, that will really perk the ears of Reggie Thorpe and Rich Lisk in New York. And it will also probably start some speculative trade talks between other teams maybe trying to get that number one overall pick, and a shot at Jeff Teat. And if you were following the draft last night, there was a tweet sent out by Kyle Devitt, who covers all things field lacrosse for inside lacrosse and the PLL and MLL. And he said that he had spoken to a few people who had said that there was some concern that NLL players would not be available for the PLL Island Championship. That is scheduled to take place in July. 
for the reason that the NLL could possibly be back in action. Now, let's send a few people kind of scurrying to their keyboards to figure out what the heck he was talking about and try to figure out who his sources are and who he'd spoken to. But with a little further digging, it's been understood that NLO players have visas. Everybody that follows the National Cross knows this. You need a visa to play uh, in a different country. So Canadians have visa to travel back and forth to the U.S. And U.S. players have visa to travel back and forth to Canada or live there or work there or whatever it may be. Those visas generally expire or are listed to expire at the end of every NLL regular season. So most visas for players, let me correct myself, I don't believe Americans have visas, it's usually just the Canadians. Moving on. Those Canadian players' visas usually would expire mid or late June. That's when they're just, that's how they're written. So if the PLL is going to have a summer island tournament like they're planning, which is set for July, a lot of those NLL players wouldn't have visas eligible. So if there's talks of NLL playing in July, a lot of those players wouldn't be able to because they wouldn't be able to cross the border for proper work. So... That kind of throws, not a wrench in that theory, but that just lets everybody know that if there's a chance the NLL is to come back, it's probably not going to be in July. It could be, and this is just me now speculating, it could say let's make it September and they just renew those guys' visas and make them September to June. But again, that part is speculation. So let's not be so quickly to jump all over a guy like Kyle Devitt, who is just doing his job speaking to field people and relaying what their message and information is to him. But when you speak to NLL people, the thoughts are that a July return is unlikely due to the fact that most players' visas will be expired and void and therefore not allow them to go back and forth across the border. So that's kind of where we're at in the field universe. Closer to home with the National Lacrosse League, they did announce uh, a cool little joint program with six other major league sports. Or maybe it's five other major league sports. Uh, MLB, MLS, NFL, NHL, NLL, and the Premier League. Um, A company called EverFi and these six different leagues have started what's called the Edu Cup. Uh, And the Edu Cup is basically a challenge that's going to run for the next week and a half or so, next 11 days. And basically what it is, for students kindergarten through grade 12, they can go online and basically follow these courses that are going to run for the next week and a bit. Take these online courses, they're going to be focusing on social media and daily exercise and things like that. And what it's going to do is it's going to allow these kids to form up in groups and do these little challenges, and try and earn some scholarships and other prizes. So I think it's a great way for sports and academics to come together and really help some of these 
kids that are struggling for school and trying to find something to do. So, you know, the Major League Baseball is going to be a focus on math and literacy. Uh, MLS is going to focus on leadership development. NFL is going to work on character development. Um, the National Hockey League is going to be teaching science, technology, engineering, and math skills for middle school students and healthier me. Uh, for upper elementary students to take on smart health and wellness. NLL is going to focus on um, their digital citizenship for middle school students and mental wellness for high school students. And the Premier League is going to start with digital literacy curriculum for middle school, as well as a compassion project, a unique program that teaches empathy and compassion um, for all students, uh, both elementary and high school. So uh, a great endeavor, again, for sports and education to come together and, and just help the next generation of kids be the best that they can be uh, in all different types of life and education. So I think that's a great partnership uh, for the NLL with Everlife and those other major sport leagues to help just bring some more learning and education and a little bit of a different look uh, to these young kids around the world. So let's hop into this week's 20 in 20 with Kyle Jackson. The Sarnia, Ontario native played his minor ball in Sarnia. Was one of the first in his area to really start playing the lacrosse game. Uh, he makes his way to Michigan uh, University where he becomes one of the best players of all time through that program. Uh, goes to Rochester, helps the Nighthawks kind of get through some tough times and is part of that organization now in Halifax. And let me tell you, this guy has a grasp on social media. If you are a young player in lacrosse and want to understand how to build your brand, um, how to do podcasts, blogs, video logs, or vlogs as the kids call them, um, Kyle's the guy to follow. And he has some great stories to tell. And if you want to know how big social media can be in your life, well, Kyle Jackson met his wife Dana through social media. It's a wild and crazy story and just one of the many that we tell. He's Kyle Jackson of the Halifax Thunderbirds, and he's our next guest on the OTCB 20 and 20. Joined now by Kyle Jackson of the Halifax Thunderbirds, the man of 120 career NLL assists, and soon to be a proud papa. KJ, how are you, buddy? I'm phenomenal. Thanks for having me on. Um, crazy times right now, but like you said, a new-to-be father, which is uh, making all this a little bit better. Um, let's get it out of the way first. You're not going to name your baby girl Corona? Um, there's a very, very high chance that that's not in the cards. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good. Um, we'll get into 20 and 20 in a bit, but um, this is, as you said, a, a very weird time for everybody. Uh, you and Dana are out there in Halifax uh, living your best lives. How's things on the East Coast? It's great. Um, the weather has been absolutely ridiculous. Some days it snows, and then later on in the day it's beautiful and sunny out, and then other days... It's beautiful out the whole day, which kind of makes 
a little difficult to go out and kind of walk around because obviously we're trying to do our part and social distance as best as we can. So anytime that the weather out here has been nice, it's pretty crowded on the streets. Mm-hmm. I bet. And uh, you are busy with with uh, the vlog, the blog, the podcast, Coffee with Kyle. you got a lot going on in your life. Um, but how special was the moment uh, when you and Dana found out that you were going to be parents? It was incredible, honestly. Um, we kind of, back when we first found out, had taken the pregnancy test more just kind of being naive to one another, not thinking that there was any chance. We hadn't really, we tried basically once and that was kind of it. And that when we found out we were pregnant, I said, ah, maybe you should take another one tomorrow. And if it says that you're pregnant tomorrow, then I'll definitely believe it. Like yeah. I said, I was being naive. So that second day when she took the test and said that we were pregnant, it was pretty surreal and put a lot of things into perspective and obviously extremely excited to become a father. My parents were young when they had me. And so I kind of always looked up to them and knew that I, I wanted to start a family, wanted to be a little bit on the younger side when all that took place. I, I think when I look back on things, I matured pretty quickly and that's kind of where I saw my life. And obviously now transitioning into those, my, my parents are going to be pretty young grandparents, but Ooh. they're very, very excited, obviously. That's uh, a, a great place for us to start in with 20 and 20. 20 questions, 20 minutes. Uh, let's have some fun. Let's start with your childhood. What was it like growing up uh, in Ontario, in, in Sarnia, Ontario? A lot of driving, a lot of long drives with my with my dad. Anywhere we needed to really be, aside from hockey, if it was lacrosse, we were constantly on the road, driving two, three, four hours, however many we needed to, in order to try and play the best caliber of lacrosse possible. So it was always my dad and I, for the most part. My sister and my mom kind of took took their liking to one another. My sister was into dance, so got to spend a lot of time with my dad on the road. When did you get into lacrosse, and, and how did you start? I always love this question because I, I started when I was three only because I couldn't play hockey until I was four. Oh, really? that's, that's literally the only reason. <laughs> the only sport I could register for at three years old. Uh, were there, were, did you have buddies that played lacrosse or like around you when you, when you started? No, I had none. I, I like to consider myself the pioneer of my, my age at the time, nice. getting everybody into, into lacrosse. Cause obviously all my, myself and my buddies were all playing hockey and, kind of just told them about lacrosse and obviously anyone that knows the two sports know they translate very well into one another. We always, for the most part, kind of had the same hockey coach as lacrosse coach or always, Sarnia is a really small community. So everybody kind of knew each other and it was pretty easy to get people on board to to play, to play lacrosse. Not everyone stuck to it, but we had a pretty good core group for a while there. Who was that coach throughout your career that was always there and was always a big mentor for you? say Jamie Maness, who who's a lifelong friend now and especially one of my dad's best friends and he's always kind of been there through the growing pains he started coaching us when we were really young and even till today he's always kind of one of those guys that mentors me and is at any game that he possibly can so he's definitely one of those guys I look up to for sure with the news of being a father what kind of dad do you want to be just the most loving father you could imagine I think that and all the research and stuff that uh, Dana and I have been doing seems to be the telltale sign that if you love your, your children, no matter what, um, that's, that's how you'll raise them to be good individuals later on in life and make sure that you raise them the right way. Learning a lot during this process, but that seems to be the sticking point. Love them to no end. Is Dana going to be a, a crazy pregnant mom, do you think? 
she's been pretty tame so far, so I don't see it getting any crazier <laughs> with, the, with the later months. But yeah. she's been pretty awesome. She, I mean, she's really not sick at all. She's not high maintenance by any means. She yeah. doesn't have any real large cravings. So anytime you see those movies where the, the dad is always constantly driving to the grocery store or the superstore to grab a late-night snack, I, I haven't really had to do that yet, which is pretty awesome. How does uh, a girl from West Hartford, Connecticut, and a, and a boy from Sarnia, Ontario, come together? She messaged me on uh, Instagram to really? find out some video content ideas, which, I mean, when I saw her, and we talked about this on a podcast, too, actually. Yeah. Like, at the time, when I looked at all of her, her social following and who she was friends with and all that stuff, I she was way out of my league. So the fact <laughs> that she was even messaging me for anything seemed a little ridiculous um but she was literally reaching out with just general video content ideas because she was shooting some behind the scenes stuff for uh some spring training in baseball down in florida and she wanted some ideas and apparently i was the right guy to to, to give her some advice i guess what, what were you what videos were you putting out at the time that that intrigued her about your stuff it was the first year that i had started doing anything when we were the then Rochester Nighthawks. Um, yeah. I was just creating stuff behind the scenes of kind of what we were going through on a regular basis, more just trying to give people an outlook on what it was like to be a lacrosse player. And it wasn't just this glorious, okay, show up on the weekends and play. There was a lot more to it. And I was working at a Hill Academy. We were doing a lot of stuff on that end. I was a dorm parent taking care of a bunch of kids that weren't mine and <laughs> constantly traveling with that team. So there was a lot that was going on and I just wanted to show people kind of that behind the scenes look and Dana took a liking, liking to it, thought that apparently my stuff was somewhat decent, I guess, and thought she'd reach out. When we started talking, I, I really took it as just her asking questions and yeah. that's exactly what she was talking about. And I just put out this naive idea saying, hey, I'm going to be in Philadelphia at some point because that's where she was living. Um, would I be able to take you on a, out on a date? Because things had started to get and stagnant with us and we weren't talking a whole lot so I put that out there had no intentions of being in Philadelphia anytime soon and thankfully she said yes and I just had to find a way to get to Philly and take her out <laughs> so how'd you get to Philly it's well then she, again she kind of put things off she kept blowing me off and eventually she just took a flight to Rochester to come watch a game and that's the first time oh, crazy. We, we got to hang out so she took a leap of faith jumped on a flight and came to see me but anyone that's ever talked to her or knows her that she's the most outgoing human ever. Yeah. The first time she met my parents, my parents after the game were like, well, she likes to talk. She's not shy. <laughs> <laughs> so did, she like, did she take over the podcast or are you still in control? I think I'm in control in that end. Cause it was more so my idea to even do it. The whole yeah. outlook on it is just that in marriage, I think that a lot of times people don't always necessarily communicate. And for us, it's just an easy way to, sit down, obviously open up because in the realm of lacrosse, you really need to social market yourself, market yourself in general in order yeah. to really get your name out there for any post lacrosse career. So this was just another avenue for us. And obviously Dana's in the broadcasting and she likes doing all that stuff, but I like to flip the switch and take charge there. Cause anytime that she's on the floor, she's the one doing the interviewing. I wanted to be on that, that end on the podcast. Coffee with Kyle is the website he's got a vlog podcast a blog a bunch of stuff some great things uh, there are love stories there uh, you also have a segment on um essential game day suits for guys 
uh, game day attire. What are your three biggest pet peeves that you see when guys dress for game day? Three biggest would be dressing lazy, lazy, lazily, yeah. I guess, yeah. whatever way you want to go with that one. Um, wearing the same thing every single game. I think that you need to switch it up once in a while. Mm-hmm. Unless you have an epic suit, then that, that's fine. Something that, like Graham Hossack has a three-piece suit that obviously he wears all the time and looks flawless, so you can't blame him on that end. Um, and then two, like, cr- wrinkled shoes, I guess. Like, crinkled shoes. My dad oh, always yeah. does this thing with a new pair of shoes when, even if it's a dress shoe, he grabs it, and just to spite anybody, he, he folds the toe to touch the heel <laughs> until it gets that, like, crease. On, yeah. on the toe line, yeah. that irritates me. So if people don't take good care of their shoes and, and all that, those are my three ones. Uh, I, I've started to notice that I'm sure of you too, you have too, but you're kind of a bit of a pioneer in this. But guys are starting to find their own style and and, and just step away from the, the classic black and blue and gray suits. And when we're getting some, some flair from guys, where did you get your style from? Uh, other professional sports. I think NBA is obviously a good one. I mean, we don't have the luxury of doing the same things they do one financially. And two, we're not as bold as a lot of them to just pull off some of those outfits, but that's where a lot of my inspiration comes in more on the suit front. Cause obviously everyone kind of has that saying of look good, deal good, play good. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you put yourself together before you show up to the rink and you put some sort of effort into your attire, it gets you just more in, in the better mindset heading to the arena than if you were to just throw on, like I said, that same suit every single time just becomes a routine. And then you show up to the rink this way. It gets your mind going a little bit before you show up and puts you in a better mindset. So I, I think it's awesome. I like that people are throwing different things in. One of my favorites are the hats that guys are wearing. I tried to get my hands on something out here along those lines, but never really could find the right one. And, I like that guys are, are branching out and doing different things. With myself, though, I like to make sure that any suit I'm wearing, it's really affordable for the average man. Just I don't want to have people think that my suits are these $1,000 pieces. Like at, at one point, they were Value Village suits, or they were just oh, yeah. a more suit. That was some $150 maximum suit jacket that I would find kind of off the cuff. And I don't like to spend a lot, but I like to show people that you can do it affordably and also have some fashion sense in, in the same regard. Yeah, the, the purple jacket, purple pink jacket I wore at the NLL draft this year, that was a uh, $40 find at Winners. That's, that's where you got to find them, though. I think that yeah. people overthink it sometimes. And you just show up, and at the same time, Winners is going to have those one-off-the-cuff one um, suit jackets just hanging on the rack that unless you're searching a little bit hard for, you're never going to find. And a lot of times when people – See those suits they're like oh how much did you spend on that and in your case you're like well 40 bucks nothing, <laughs> yeah, right? special. But yeah you put yourself together you grab a nice pair of pants put your shoes on and you can make it look pretty good uh, like you and, and no yeah and no creases in the shoes guys pay attention no creases exactly. in the shoes um essential essential uh, this is a time where uh, essential workers go back to work uh, not yet are Barbers and hairstylists essential. How long is your hair and how, cra- how much are you craving a haircut? On the top, it's some of the longest that it's been. My sides, I usually like to keep nice and kind of clean, clean shaven. Anytime it gets a little bushy around the ears, that's when I know that I need a haircut. So it's, it's starting to get outrageous, but 
I'm the kind of person that even when I wake up in the morning, like I like to shower, get my day ready, even though we're in quarantine, do my hair so that I at least feel like I'm having a productive day. I don't like mm-hmm. to just kind of wake up and be grungy the whole whole afternoon. So it's long, but it's still well put together, I like to think. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I've asked a lot of guys uh, that were Rochester Nighthawks and now Halifax Thunderbirds this question. How tough was last year for you guys going through that season, knowing what was at the end of the tunnel? It was extremely tough. I think anybody that says differently would probably be lying just for the sake of it. But you have a fan base that's been loyal, unloyal throughout so many years. They've had championships. They've had heartache. And so you've got this group that has this following of, of Rochester fans and then to play an entire season with them knowing that next year you're not coming back. Maybe some players are, maybe some players aren't. But just that sense that this team is never going to be the same, I don't think sat well with, with the fan base. And so you're constantly threading with this fan base that was super eager, super excited. But every time after a game was played, you'd constantly have the fans, oh, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss mm-hmm. you. We enjoyed our time here. You, they were never excited for what was next. They were always reminiscing about what happened. Yeah. So I think that was the hardest part, just just knowing that you're not going to be there next year and trying to trying to please people while also knowing that it's, it's gone after this year. How's your game developed um, since leaving Michigan and since coming into the National Lacrosse League and becoming a professional athlete? How has your game developed? I think the best word is probably being adaptable. I've become more adaptable throughout time. Throughout time. Uh, when I first came into the league, I was originally told that you're you're just going to set picks. Cody was hurt at the time, and we had Dan Dawson on the right side, and they said these two are going to take 95% of the ball-carrying opportunity, and it's more on you to just run out there, set picks, make sure you get these guys open. And So that was my whole mentality throughout all of training camp, but then come game one, Cody was obviously still hurt and wasn't ready, and all day was like, hey, you're going to have to carry the ball basically the entire time Cody was supposed to. Now you and Dan are that 95% and find a way. And I hadn't even, my whole training camp at the professional level, I hadn't even really touched the ball. I did, just totally disregarded that aspect. So yeah, constantly being in these roles where you have to adapt right on the fly is a good analogy for how the NLL works in general. You never know if a flight's going to be delayed or something's canceled. You've always got to have this adaptability. And I think that's what makes players successful is that, once they start to find themselves weaning out of a certain role, they find themselves at a better role at a higher level um, a week later, whether it's playing offense one week or then playing defense the next or next year, whatever it may be. Being adaptable in the NLL, I think, is key, and that's, that's where I've been able to excel, I think. Being a smaller guy, is that to your benefit? Is that a strong part of your game? Yes and no. I think that being small in a good way allows me to be shiftier, more agile on my feet, not have that massive body frame that more so could be overpowering in a bulldog type mentality where mm-hmm. I've got to rely on my, my quickness to get me out of elusive opportunities. So that in that regard, I think being smaller is better in my game, especially. Um, but for years and years and years, I've tried to put on weight. I've been right around 165, 175 pounds 
ever since I got into college and trying to get to 180, I think would be the optimal weight for me, finding that happy medium between being a little on the heavier side, but bulkier side muscular wise for me for playing abilities, but then also being able to maintain that quickness and um, that agility. So that's where I'd like to be. I'm, I'm still trying to get there in this quarantine process, eating a lot of food, working out <laughs> a lot because there's nothing else to do, yeah. but trying to find that happy medium. Are, are you eating lots of poutine and lobster to just put on the pound? No, honestly, because everything was closed for the most part. So we don't like, we're trying to stay as local as possible. Yeah. No lobster places that we like were even open. So we've kind of avoided that and left that to the, the experts. We don't necessarily want to try that on our end, but we've <laughs> yeah. making, been making a lot of food at home, trying to make as gourmet as possible as possible while staying healthy. But um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I, I saw uh, a while back you experienced your first Passover. Obviously, Dana, as family, is Jewish. Your background uh, has some Iroquois ties to it. But what was your first Passover like? Uh, it was unique. Was the best way to put it. it was unique. I mean, I think it's great for a lot anybody to really experience any kind of cultural shift. And 100%. It's obviously, going back to that adaptability and the human human genes and being able to experience that with her and her family is obviously an incredible experience that I will always cherish. And I had never done it before. It was awesome. I'm not saying that next year I'm looking forward to it, but <laughs> I know that it'll come around every single year. And I think anybody else that goes through that, they don't look forward to that every yeah. single every single year, but they know it's going to come around. It's a great time to spend with family and, and cherish with family. And that's obviously something that we're, we look forward to. How special was it for you to wear the Iroquois Golden Eagle? It was awesome, honestly. I, I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to play at the world stage. And this past summer, obviously, being able to play the indoor and the summer previous, being able to play outdoor, it, it was awesome. There, there's so such different experiences, the outdoor compared to the indoor, with yeah. the, amount of, um, the amount of teams that are at the outdoor experience because field across is so much more um, universal. But being able to put that on your chest and know that you're playing something much greater for yourself and a, a smaller community with the biggest hearts possible, it, it's extremely humbling. And then you look to the guys that are, you're playing around, like Randy and Cody, and you're just extremely grateful for the opportunity that you've had and how far you've come. Because a small kid from Ontario and being able to – or Sarnia and going – and being able to play with all those guys who had, had such illustrious careers, to me, it, it meant the world. Now, pardon my naivety. What is your um, descendant to the Iroquois nation? How do you get there? Is it your dad? Through my dad, correct. Yeah. So my dad is my dad's fifty percent. His his mother was a hundred percent. His dad wasn't native at all. So my sister and I are a quarter and uh, from the Amjanong First Nation in in Sarnia, Ontario, and obviously extremely proud that our our father was able to kind of guide us through a lot of it. We were we we're kind of people that didn't know a whole lot because just the the first nation community in Sarnia is obviously not the largest. It's not, nothing close to six nations, obviously. Right. So we were always kind of on that learning curve. We were always a little bit behind on a lot of things, but a very, uh, one thing I'm really proud of is my sister who, who went to Western um, for schooling and human resources. And she took a tremendous liking to all the cultural shift and, all the classes that they had offered at Western. So she was constantly integrated in that culture. And 
honestly taught both my dad and, and myself and my mom a whole lot about the native culture, which was ex- extremely, um, I was extremely grateful for. Yeah, I was, that was sort of my next one. When did you kind of start to learn about your heritage and your past and what are sort of the first memories that you remember being told? I'd say probably, honestly, when I was maybe like 12 or 15, somewhere around there where I started to understand what was, what was culturally in my background. Mm-hmm. But in those earlier years, I really didn't know a whole lot and we weren't super integrated in the culture, obviously, but um, it was right around those times where I started to understand things and realize things and look more into kind of what it meant to be Native American. And later on in life, obviously, there's a lot more that goes into it. And in college, you start to really understand a whole lot more. And I was lucky enough to take a couple of years of Ojibwe when I was at, at the University of Michigan. And unfortunately, I didn't offer them for all four years, but was able to take those classes for a couple and really kind of integrate myself into my heritage as much as possible. Speaking of the University of Michigan, who's the biggest alumni in the NLL? You, Jessica Berman, or Brent Noseworthy? Oh, that's a great question. I guess Jessica, because she's far more experienced than the two of us probably <laughs> ever could be. Um, yeah. But Brent, obviously, like he stepped into Michigan and did a phenomenal job growing that program and obliterating every single record that you could imagine at Michigan. Yeah. I thought it was okay while I was there. <laughs> Ian King broke those a year later. Then Brent came in and just shattered all of them for us. So he's obviously somebody that people that are going into University of Michigan now, that, that's kind of the name that, that sticks out to kids is Brent Noseworthy. And I think he did a tremendous job, obviously, while he was there and afterwards, making sure that he, he made sure his name stuck. Is it crazy to think that he was a goalie in lacrosse? up until like a couple of years before he went to college? It is. And even when we spent a year at Michigan together, like the fact that he had played goalie always kind of, it was mind boggling to me that he was in and out of playing goalie, uncertain if he wanted to play, kind of took some years off here and there. And then now playing out at, at the professional level, it's like a, it's like a Paul Dawson story. He plays mm-hmm. goalie his whole life, needs to find a spot. So, I mean, he was, Brent was a phenomenal box goalie in his own regard anyway like he probably could have made it but transitions his life into playing and playing as a player and obviously goes to michigan has this phenomenal career and now it's fighting in the nll getting kicked out in <laughs> or whatever well very much like paul <laughs> exactly exactly how did you get to michigan it's kind of a funny story just because i wanted a school when i went to the hill academy that was as far away from my home as possible and this really small school because the Hill was kind of close to Sarnia, but it was small. And I had helped grow that program kind of from the ground up after a couple of years of their development. And I wanted something that I could be a part of that was new where I was going to play all four years, mm-hmm. but I had no idea anything about Michigan. And so all of a sudden they called um, the Hill one day and offered me up a, a visit. So I took the chance and I really didn't even know that it was only an hour and 20 minute drive from Sarnia. Wow. But it was also the largest school, arguably, in the country. So yeah, once say, I, that's what a small once, once, Exactly. Once I got there, though, it was a no-brainer. Like, the facilities they have, the staff they have, the alumni base, I mean, it all speaks for itself. And to pass that opportunity of being able to grow a program and also play for all four years, I, it would have been psychotic of me. So mm-hmm. 
once I showed up, I think within 10 seconds, I knew that's where I wanted to be. I needed to make a lot of sacrifices along the way in order to do so, but um, uh, extremely grateful for that opportunity for sure. Everybody knows the the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. How is it in the lacrosse program? It's uh, it's getting up there now, especially yeah. because this was the la- last year was the first year that Michigan had beat Ohio State in Big Ten play. So, there's, I mean, coming from where I was when I was at Michigan and getting blown out by those schools because they were far superior compared to where we were at athletically, and now to see them beat them in the Big Ten play, I mean, speaks magnitudes to kind of where yeah. that program's at now. Yeah. Obviously, it'll never in a billion years be the same as Ohio State, Michigan football, but it's definitely nice to see that it's starting to get some notoriety. Where do you want to travel once all this 19 stuff is over? It's funny, Dana and I were talking about that the other day. I don't know if I want to be the first one to travel and experience <laughs> yeah, that fair. or if I want to let others go out and do all that, <laughs> um, but probably somewhere to see family without a doubt. Yeah, Obviously, we haven't been able to see anybody, so even through this whole process of Dana being pregnant and finding out we haven't really seen anyone. So it'd be nice to just go and be with family and kind of settle down for maybe a weekend and just hang out with them and catch up. Absolutely. What's the one snack that you guys continually run out of? Ritz crackers, I guess, especially right now. We eat those things like they're candy bars. (laughs) Are you putting like anything on them or just straight crackers? Just straight crackers. I, at one point, in the grocery store when they were running low, got a, the rich cheddar version, and I got in a, a little bit of trouble for that one because they weren't the original salted. Then I tried <laughs> unsalted, and again, didn't work out too well in my favor, so we stuck with the Ritz original for now. Ritz original. I'll keep that in notes so next time we see each other. Um, are, are you reading, or are you one of those people who are like, yeah, I'm going to read books during all this lockdown, and you haven't picked up a book yet? No, no, I, I'm... Uh, very avid reader i uh, i've got it into a pretty good routine i wake up nice and early way before dana even decides to open her eyes and make sure that i get a pretty good situation settled for myself because at the end of this i don't want to be running back into work and ha- just waking up at 10 o'clock every day wondering what i'm going to do with myself so i yeah. try to stay in a good routine right now i'm reading this outliers book by malcolm gladwell oh that's a great book. it's actually oh it's phenomenal i've right around 80 pages in right now. I just started a couple of days ago, but I'd say looking on my bookshelf right now, I've gone through one, two, three, four, seven or eight books so nice. far. Nice. Yeah. And are you, are you binging anything on Netflix or anything like that, or are you sticking to the books? Um, we binge a lot on Netflix, unfortunately, just because, more so because we put stuff on in the background and yeah. then let it run all day depending like we could be making dinner and not even paying attention but we've gone through a lot of episodes that way something that i kind of want to look forward to is ozark because i've heard good things about it yeah but i haven't got to the third one yet dana hasn't seen any of them so we may start from the beginning um but we watched what was uh outbreak or what was that yeah there was a new one is that what it was called i think it's called outbreak yeah yeah great great what was it called then Come on, Dana. Anyway. That's why we have you here, Dana. Let's go. I know. Outer Banks. Outer Banks. That's what it is. I knew it was out something. <laughs> Outer Banks. That's the most recent one that we, we binge watched. 
Uh, Kyle, this has been awesome, my man. Uh, you are a phenomenal player, a great ambassador for our game. You're doing great stuff for the website. Uh, congratulations to you and Dana again. If I can make one suggestion, a little play on words, uh, play on where you guys are at. And you sorry, how about Allie Jackson? Halifax, Allie Jackson. That's my name. Funny that you say that. It's funny you say it because she actually brought that up about 20 minutes before this call. So amazing. You guys must have been chatting before. No, I swear. I swear. I only I only contacted her to get your number because you're a very hard man to track down. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, that's uh, we, that's recent in the memory right now. In the memory thing. So we'll think about it. But I appreciate uh, that. Stay safe, my man. Uh, I give my best to Dana, and I know these are crazy wild times, but hopefully we can uh, have our next conversation in person. Definitely. Thanks again for having me, and obviously I'm always honored to be on here, so thank you very much. There is Kyle Jackson of the Halifax Thunderbirds. I kind of like the name Hallie Jackson. It's got a nice ring to it. I hope they pick it. It's an extra $100 in my pocket for the name-finding fee. If you haven't checked out any of Kyle's stuff, I highly recommend. Check out his website, Coffee with Kyle. Uh, There are a ton of great little video clips, audio clips, um, written blogs. And I really think that more guys need to kind of hop on this train. I know it's not easy. We talked about this, um, or I talked about this with, Uh, Jake Fox and Will uh, on their podcast, Sticks and Picks, um, that it's not easy to put yourself on camera or turn on a microphone and just start talking to nobody. It's not the easiest thing to do. And and some people take to it very easily. Other people struggle with it. And I think Kyle has been one of those guys that has been able to do a wonderful job expressing himself through different media outlets and allowing fans a glimpse into his life and what it's like to be a professional athlete, what it's like to be a lacrosse player, um, a husband, a soon-to-be father, and it's a lot of great stuff. And like I said, I, I highly recommend you check it out. There's some some great content on there. Um, again, if you're trying to figure out uh, what kind of suit to get or how to accent your look, he's got a great blog on there on suit essentials, game day stuff. Um, and yeah, guys, I've seen it travel with the mammoth. I've seen it throughout my whole lacrosse career. Um, couple things, get yourself a suit bag. Don't throw your suit in your gear bag and, uh, invest in a couple different jackets. If you have two or three different jackets, you can pair them with multiple shirts, ties, and pants. Um, the jacket makes the man. So you don't feel like Kyle said, you don't have to go spend Five six hundred dollars on a custom suit or jacket. Go to Winners. Go to TJ Maxx. Um, go to Target. Anywhere where there's just some good old clothes. Value Village, and you'll be able to find some diamonds in the rough. You don't gotta spend a fortune to look good. It's confidence, swagger, and just you know a couple little accents here and there. Make it go a long way. Appreciate Kyle stopping by. It's been a a hectic week. He was on the uh, NLL Instagram live chat the other day. Uh, He found out he was going to be a father. Found out he was going to have a girl. Uh, I believe he was signed by the Boston Cannons of the MLL. Uh, So there's a lot going on this week for KJ47. 
and was real excited to have him give us some time and have a quick little chat. Before we get you out of here, um, on Wednesday night, I had the pleasure and opportunity to host a Mammoth Zoom chat celebrating the 2006 Colorado Mammoth NLL Championship team. Uh, and I know all of those guys personally uh, played with some, played against many of them. Uh, I was in the league during that time, so you know I, I kind of I really remember that championship game and, and all the guys that were playing in that game uh, in Buffalo and Colorado knocked off the Bandits to win their first and only NLL title. But it was one of the funniest conversation and chats I've ever been a part of. When you can get Jay Jalbert, Jamie Hanford, uh, Gavin Prout, G. Nash, Chris Gill, Dan Stroop, uh, Dan Carey, and Gary Gate all in one chat and just listen to them ripping each other and busting each other's balls about the littlest things and having a good laugh and reminiscing about those times 14 years ago uh, was such an honor and privilege and one of the greatest times I've had since kind of this whole quarantine started. I believe the video is still up on the Mammoth's Facebook page. That's where it was. Um, but the cool thing was is that a lot of those guys haven't seen each other in a decade or more. You know, Jay Jalbert hasn't played an NLO game since that moment. Um, Jamie Hanford, after Colorado, kind of moved out east and hasn't seen a lot of those guys since. And uh, it was a great opportunity to catch up with those guys and help share some of their stories and their memories of that 06 game. Um, and it was a great treat. And I really appreciate the Mammoth uh, having me on to help celebrate those guys and bring them all together. So if you can, go to the Mammoth's Facebook page and check out uh, the link for that chat. It's, you know, about 45 minutes, an hour or so. But uh, if you're a fan of lacrosse and you like those guys, it's it's a great chat. And uh, it was great seeing all those guys, even if it was through a computer screen. Still no word when we're going to have lacrosse back. So we just kind of keep on hoping, keep our fingers crossed. There is talks of sports slowly returning. But again, it all has to be done in moderation. It all has to be done properly and smartly. And I think we need to just make sure we know what we're doing before we go all in on returning to sports. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Got a big shout out. Got to give a big shout out to the Lacrosse Flash lads. Uh, the merch store is up and running. Go check out their website, lacrosseflash.com. Go get yourself an Oh My Goodness t-shirt. Join the Big Team Guide Club. Or maybe you just want a lacrosse flash ticket. They're all there. Go check them out and get yourself a part of the lacrosse flash gang. Until we speak again, stay safe, get outside, enjoy the sunshine, and be excellent to each other.